0: Hi! Welcome to our Wolf Wisdom Gathering. Good morning. This is Chinoa. Chinoa means dove. She's one of Dakota's daughters. Of course, Dakota's gonna be milling around here because (laughs) when I went to hook her up, he insisted on coming too, which makes it a little better for her anyway. Um, You want to go smell? Go ahead. Go ahead. So, um the name of my talk today is love story it um, yesterday was my 10th anniversary of me meeting Paul and Paul meeting me on that level where we would come together and um, uh, I'm gonna talk a little bit about that story as we go (laughs) but um, I'm also writing a book called um, diary of a wolf mom and I um, as I was writing this week, I was uh, Shadow was coming up a lot because Shadow had a, a very intricate part in um, who we are and why we do what we do and this dream come true. <laughs> um, so um, I'm going to talk about her a little bit too. And the reason that I chose uh, Chinoa is not that just because the Dove of Peace, um, but she was Shadow's favorite. And I uh, just remember, you know, she was, she was a little irritated at the puppies <laughs> a lot. But Shinoah would kind of get close to her and sneak up. And, you know, the others had to roll in and kind of crawl to her and turn their bellies up. And then she would tolerate them. <laughs> but when Shinoah came, she allowed her to stay with her. Like she would lick her mouth and she would allow her to, like, sleep next to her. And this memory of um, how sweet she was. So, so some of you, if you don't know wolf behavior, Shadow was the alpha, but because of her cancer and the radiation she had, it was not going to be possible for her to breed. Not that we were trying to breed Dakota in Alaska, but um, (laughs) it's just what happened. (laughs) And um, it's possible that she could have not accepted her puppies, it's a big deal to have introduced them, and we waited a long time um, to actually let her or even Dakota come in. Um, It's interesting, because I just read an article this morning about um, some red wolves that are endangered. They're an endangered species, and they were just born to the North Carolina Zoo, and uh, apparently during a thunderstorm, and there were five of the puppies, and uh, they left the male in with them, and um, he injured two of them. And so they had to euthanize them. And in my head, I'm thinking, you know, they justified it like this would happen sometimes in the wild. They're in a den in the wild, and no other wolf sees them except the mother for at least four to 10 weeks. So I'm, you know, my heart was like, this is not something you would do. We wouldn't have done that. This is scientific knowledge (laughs) they are not born in captivity to the parents even though they're paired in the wild they would be protected in the den by the mother and no other pack member sees them until that time so we knew this and we knew how tricky it would be and um she stood over them for about 10 minutes just staring at them just Solid as a rock when she first met them. And then all of a sudden, she just walked away like it was nothing. (laughs) And they treated her like a queen. Mommy was just a food source. Alaska was just... (laughs) You know those little sounds where they get like... Where they're sucking sounds, those sucking sounds. It's just you knew Allie was present when that was happening. Um, But they treated um, Shadow like she was head of the pack. And it was an extraordinary event, which tells you a little bit about her. And I'm looking in the room, and it's just really me and Paul, whoever knew her, you know, and that's um, in the room right now. But she was an extraordinary wolf. And when I met Paul, we talk and we make fun because I met his motorcycle first. <laughs> I actually, it was my birthday, which my birthday is on Tuesday. So I was looking for uh, one of my friends in, outside my spiritual center to help me find um, some dirt to have a, um, a party where people were going to bring me plants. So I was going to build this garden like that. I thought I could envision in my little backyard. And um, he had left already, and I was out looking for him, and I looked left, And right out front of Starbucks, there was this shiny blue motorcycle. And I went, oh, I wonder who's on the other end of that. (laughs) And I headed in that direction. Now, I'm going to write about this story, but suffice it to say, I met this guy, and uh, he introduced me to these two... um, females of his, Shadow in Alaska, these motherless girls. And at that time, you know, I was turning 52, because I'm turning 62 now. That was 10 years ago. And um, I always thought that I would have my own children. And I really was looking for a family and do that in the like third act of my life, if you're thinking about a, a play. <laughs> and, um, and I thought I was going to help raise somebody else's children, and it turned out to be true. They were just 4 legged. <laughs> and so I'm going to talk a little bit about um, what that, that time in my life and finding love pretty much for the first time in my life, I'm going to talk about that today. But before we get any further, I'm going to do um, an opening um, meditative um, song called Hands of Grace by Jack Fowler. Just uh, sit in your chairs. For those of you who have been here before, You know what to do. And those of you who are just joining us, just let yourself be in your chair. Let the chair hold you. You don't have to hold on to anything while you're here. Mother Earth has that chair, so you cannot fall. what I know. No matter what you call it, what I know is that there is a creative force. There is a creative energy. And it is the creator of everything, seen and unseen, in our world and our universe. And that we are made of this magnificence. Just think about the most magnificent thing you can think of in the world, and how could it be more magnificent than you? I believe that we are perfect, whole, and complete. Exact mathematical perfection created from this energy uniquely to express ourselves as ourselves, as our true selves, our authenticity, and that that is our gift to the world. And that there is nothing that you need to do, that you need to be, or that you need to change in order to contribute to your divine destiny, to contribute this gift of you. Your single presence is all you need. And it has been designed in that way for you to be here. And so I claim for each and every single one of you that your heart's desire is being met despite appearances to the contrary. this thing inside you, this inner wisdom, this wisdom of the ages is flowing through you at all times and lets you know exactly where you need to go. And that that is the journey that we are all on and that we're in it together and that the oneness of the universe that we share in this nature on nature's path, that we are here for each other and every other living thing. And so I know this to be true, and so I'm so grateful for this knowledge. I'm grateful to be able to share it with you. I'm grateful for all the good that has come my way, the good that is in front of me now, and the good that is coming in and through infinity. And I release these words knowing that they're done in the mind, this incredible creative mind that we are all from, knowing that, These words that I say is a universal truth that is held in the hands of grace for each and every one of you and all living things. And I say, and so it is. Amen. Aho is what the natives say. Whatever it is that helps you solidify this feeling, this knowingness, so you can remember who you are, is the point of that prayer. Um. I was so hoping that the puppies would be born on my birthday, but they came a week early. (laughs) And their um, birthday was on Tuesday, May 29th. They turned eight years old. So part of this story, I just want to remind you that this is kind of all new, that all these little events kind of happen around the same time in our world, Paul's and mine. And um, I just want to um, do this quote real quick. Rumi says, the minute I heard my first love story, I started looking for you, not knowing how blind that that was. Lovers don't finally meet somewhere, they're in each other all along. Now, I don't know whether that's true or not, but isn't that the way it feels when you finally meet the person? (laughs) Even friends, it's not even the person that you're going to mate with, you know, wolves wait mate for life, we mate with each other, you know, hopefully for life. But that knowingness, like, you know you've known that person forever. And it was the same with the animals, too. It was the same with shadow in Alaska. You know, when I walked into that world, whether I could say it or not, I knew I belonged in it. Now, you get these senses and you get these feelings when those things happen. It's not like I just, you know, decided at that point because the world gets in the way. (laughs) (laughs) And your mind gets in the way. You know, most of the time for the first few months we were together, I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. You know, because you're watching everything and you don't want to make another mistake, especially at 52 when you've been waiting for it all your life. You know, a lot of things to be careful about. In the notebook, this quote exists, the best love is the kind that awakens the soul, that makes us reach for more, that plans the fire that plants the fire in our hearts and brings peace to our minds. That's what I hope to give forever. I think I kind of knew this all along, but, you know, I was single for almost 30 years. Some of you know and some of you don't know that I got married when I was 21. I was divorced by the time I was 24, and I never, ever went near it. I wanted to and thought I was getting close to it, but unconsciously I was not choosing anybody that it would work with. So, you know, skip from 24 to 52 before my heart was open enough, you know. And staying alone that long is very cushy. I have to say. It's not that I didn't experience a lot of things that, you know, were difficult. They were harder to go through by myself. And I think that the dream sometimes thinks is as soon as I find that person, as soon as I fall in love, that everything's going to get easier and happier. <laughs> in my experience, everything gets more complicated because you've included some more life into your circumstance. When you open up your heart, more people come in. And the more people who come in, the more people you're engaged with, the more people you're connected to, the more people that have their things that go on with them and that you're standing with them in their joy, their pain, you know, their ecstasy and their rage and their sorrows. You know, three months after Paul and I met, that's when Shadow was diagnosed with cancer. And so, you know, you do, that's not the dream come true in the mind of how you're going to fall in love for the first time and have your life just flow after that. And I think sometimes that those kind of things get really difficult. I've heard people leave their relationships when it gets really difficult. Because it's too hard. It's too hard to handle. I didn't ask for that. I was looking for motorcycle rides. <laughs> I didn't want my heart to be, you know, taken and, you know, my soul to be invested in such a way. You know, we don't consciously do that except that this is the life that we have. And I think we trick ourselves thinking that this must not be the right thing because I thought happiness was going to come. Instead, more, I don't want to call it drama, but more things start happening in your life. And the things that you you take on, so I find it find the task of it got harder, you know, but i can 't even imagine what Paul would have done had I not been there, and I certainly don 't know what I would have done had he not been there, and so you then um, even though the outcome is not what <laughs> any of us wanted um, the livingness through it, you know, the getting through it is where the connection starts to grow. You know, that you become part of each other's bone marrow. I had a friend who said, I, he, he exists in my bones, you know, down to the deep part of my bones. And that's kind of the love that you want to know. Paul Coelho says, love is an untamed force when we try to control it it destroys us when we try to imprison it it enslaves us when we try to understand it it leaves us feeling lost and confused trying to take other people and other circumstances into your life and trying to manage them in a way that you is going to make you feel better right now, I'm not saying that you don't ask for your dreams, that you don't set up a vision board, that you don't go in that direction of your divine destiny, you know? But when you're measuring happiness based on what's going, what your perception is right and what your perception is wrong, then that travel, those travels are really going to be harmful to you instead of looking at it as though, wow, well, this is an experience. You know, and being as loving as possible with each other through the process. You don't think that I wanted to be able to cure that animal. I had a long, hard time with my faith when she didn't make it. And I don't think I'm alone in that. That that was not my problem to solve. Does that make sense? Right? I had no control over that. What I had control of, over was my ability to be there for her, to learn as much as I could to give her comfort and to find a way to beat it. That's what our, our mission was. That's what we needed to create in our lives. And that's the love, right? That's where the love comes in is how much you'll dive into That's also where the courage comes in. Leo Tolstoy says, all, everything that I understand, I only understand because I love. If you can't open your heart to whatever is going on in your life, then you're not going to understand much, right? (laughs) You're not going to learn a lot. And believe me, nobody I've ever met doesn't come with stuff. And they, don't, and they also bring stuff with them and stuff that's not happened yet with them. And you don't get to pick and choose what you're going to go through or not go through. I mean, you do, right? But you don't get to pick and choose how it comes and when it comes and who it comes to. Colin Firth, I don't know who the hell wants to get in a situation where you can't bear an hour without somebody's company. <laughs> And yet we do, right? You know, when the first few weeks with Paul, I'm like, I do not like this. (laughs) Good morning. But I used to, um, when we first were getting to know each other, I was like, oh, I can't concentrate on my whole life. I was painting at the time, and I remember painting the ceiling. And I love listening to 60s music. On my 60th birthday, I had, you know, celebrating the 60s at 60. <laughs> and uh, this song came on. It was probably 50s more than 60s, but it was a net Punicello singing, My Paul, He's My All. And I'm on, the, I'm on a ladder singing like this, and my vision says, I'm going to sing that to him on our wedding day. Two weeks into it, I'm, and then I knocked myself off the ladder, with the thought, (laughs) like, what am I doing in my head, you know, and after two weeks, after two weeks, just so you know, I did sing that song and I changed the words to it, so it matched him, (laughs) and uh, had a blast doing it, embarrassed him completely. But literally, I'm off the ladder going, what are you doing, right? Literally can't concentrate because he was already there. He was already in my heart. He was in my body. I couldn't concentrate on anything else. I never talked so much on the phone in my whole life as when I met Paul. (laughs) And he would call me and I would call him. Um, just And it was the first time that somebody was kind of like geographically located in a, in a good area. You know what I mean? We were like blocks from each other. So for every day for three weeks, we had lunch and dinner together. That was our dating. That's a lot of time. I don't think I ever spent that much time with the last relationship I had, in. you know what I mean, with the other boyfriend in two years. Because... You've got life going on, you don't live to, you know, close by, so the dating thing is you get this much time here and you get this much time here. We were just kind of inundated into each other's lives. When Harry met Sally in the script, it says, when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible, right? But then we have this dating ritual. <laughs> I knew the first day I held on to my apartment and sublet it for the next year. <laughs> you know, because my mind was playing those tricks with my, my body, knowing this knowingness, right? So my experience was that things don't work out. And I had already done that before, sold everything, moved out. You know, and then not been able to go back. So it was on hold until I knew, right? This is from someone who um, I don't know. It's unknown. I look at you and see the rest of my life in front of my eyes. You know, now that I'm saying this, it's not like I am saying that this doesn't happen with friends too you know what I mean? This can happen with professional relationships as well. It can happen with the job that you finally get, you know, where you know this is where I should be. Rather than, you know, the, those tingles in your back where you want to, like the, the wolves do, is tuck and run. And yet you commit to it because it's necessary right now. You know when you're in the place where you're supposed to be. This is what's so magnificent about knowing yourself and having that conscious awareness of who you are. Lao Tzu says, being deeply loved by someone gives you strength, while loving someone deeply gives you courage. And Betty Davis says, the pleasure of love lasts but a moment. Pain of love lasts a lifetime. That's (laughs) That's Wakhan. <laughs> Dad's gone. <laughs> Dakota's, he knows Dakota's here, and that's what that is. Um, Goethe says, We are shaped and fashioned by those we love. I can certainly say that um, I never outpictured what I'm doing with my life, you know, before I met Paul, in a way that I could have seen it looking like this. But what I could out picture was this internal feeling of knowing, you know, unconditional love, someone who accepts me and a relationship that I can be as authentic as possible in, given the world I already knew at 52, right? And to take that leap of faith into this. And um, I'm going to sing a song right now and I'm going to dedicate it to shadow mostly and hopefully I can get through it. (laughs) But um, that thing that I just said I'll say it again. We are shaped and fashioned by those we love. And that this this idea of this commitment and this strength that leads to courage. Um, I never experienced life before this time in this way, in this, this way that's so profound. And um, I bless that creature for giving me that lesson about myself. And so I want to share this story with you about her, and it's called Love Story. And for those of you who know the song um, or know the movie, it's ancient like me at this point, but <laughs> it's uh, Andy Williams' Love Story. This is for Shadow. Music plays out. Paul used to come pick me up and go to training with them. And in the back of the truck, she and Alaska would be howling for me. And I had never, ever experienced such a thing. I could hear them all the way up from my apartment, all the way out to the street. (laughs) I lived above a garage in the back of this whole big property. and I just hear her calling, so happy to see me. You know, just, not that I hadn't experienced that before, and I had creatures, you know, my whole life that treated me that way, but there was just something about something had awoken in me so that I could receive it like that. Does that make sense? Not like a lot of it wasn't there. It was just that I couldn't I couldn't let it in to the level that I let these guys in. And I had groaned my life for that, you know? And it was magnificent. I tell this story, you know, one of the first nights that um, I spent <laughs> with uh, Paul, um, and he wakes up really early. I woke up to Shadow running and jumping on top of the bed, and she actually put her forehead against my forehead and pushed my whole head into the pillow. And I was eyeball to eyeball with this black wolf, right? <laughs> and she just held me there. And I, I didn't know what to do. I was just breathing, you know? And then all of a sudden, she lifted her head, and she looked at me, and she ran off, and Alaska followed her out into the yard. (laughs) And uh, Paul was standing in the doorway, you know, with this really cool, very sexy look. (laughs) And said, (laughs) I asked him, I said, what was that? And he's like, I think she just initiated you into our pack. You know, yeah, walk away now. (laughs) I just... And it was true, it's how I felt. I felt like I had a pack of my own, finally, that it was some place for me to go and be accepted. I am much more me when I am with you. That's how it feels when you know you're in the right place. And I'm not talking about the environment that necessarily he creates, even though look at look, just look. (laughs) Look around you. (laughs) I'm talking about the environment you create for yourself. You know, the love story part of this talk is my own story of what it took for me to let a lot of the stuff go and allow the love that I had for myself to reflect in the life that I now live so the most important love story is the is your own is the one that you have with yourself that's the main thing and then you attract in the love <laughs> that you're that you're expressing and it's almost in equal measure and then you have to keep working no matter what happens to stay as open as possible, to stay open to those possibilities and to cho- cho- choose love. I say it every week when I come up here; is it's constant. Even though it's very difficult to choose love all the time in every single circumstance because we're not conditioned that way. We are conditioned to be vengeful and lash out and take it out on other people what they do to us. Rather than what every spiritual practice on the planet will tell you is that is them. That's on them. What's on you? It's your responsibility to continue to love and love no matter what. And resonate in that vibration. Otherwise you get sucked into theirs. You get, talk about sucked into something gross and like, quicksand and it's that fast you have to nip it in the bud really really quickly or you get stuck and some people get stuck forever and never climb out never to be seen again one word sophocles says frees us from all the weight of pain and life. that word is love Man, you know, when you find it, it's like, uh, this is an unknown uh, person who said this, but I wish I could turn back the clock. I'd find you sooner and love you longer. You know? But it's, it's beautiful. I mean, life is, life is what my life is right now. <laughs> and this is what I've got. This is also from someone unknown. I hope you know that every time I tell you to get home safe, stay warm, have a good day, or sleep well, what I'm really saying is I love you. I love you so damn much that it is starting to steal other words' meanings. Can you imagine that every single word out of your mouth to whoever you love is Behind it, I love you. That that's what you hear every single time. That's the subtext, which we call in the acting world. That is the subtext of everything you say to somebody. Paul and I do phone hugs all the time. (laughs) Phone hug! We have this back and forth thing that we do is I love you. I love you more. No fair. (laughs) This is also from someone, a quote that didn't have a name. When I say I love you more, I don't mean I love you more than you love me. I mean I love you more than the bad days ahead of us. I love you more than any fight we'll ever have. I love you more than the distance between us. I love you more than any obstacle that could try and come between us. I love you the most. That's the commitment. Man, I, that takes courage. Because when bad things happen, you have to heal them. You have to confront them, and you have to face them, and you have to talk to each other, and you have to look at each other, and you have to let things go. And it's hard. It's hard, especially if you're hurt. Paul McCartney says, At the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. yeah Tom Hanks says this there's no substitute for the great love who says no matter what's wrong with you you're welcome at this table some of you have seen this there's video of it but I got to Paul's table and everybody was there including the wolves eating from a fork (laughs) just what we were eating so, if we were having tri tip, they were having tri tip. We were having chicken, they were having chicken. <laughs> and they had to learn manners and they had to be there. Everybody was included at the table. It was part of one of the most exciting things, you know, is like the family dinner, to have them be able to sit next to us on a chair. Of course, then we got Dakota, and he's the tallest of all. <laughs> he doesn't sit because his whole face reaches the top of the table. <laughs> For those of you who experience it, when we're sitting at the table, he won't take anything, but his whole head is there looking at you. <laughs> going person to person is like, are you going to give me a bite? <laughs> and look at him, there's a massive head sitting right next to your dinner plate. <laughs> and it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful sight. To behold, Oscar Wilde says, you don't love someone for their looks or their clothes or for their fancy car, but because they sing a song only you can hear. In my world, I get to, those are the howling sounds. Even with Wakhan in the yard calling out for Dakota, you know knowing that we're here, and he wants to be near, you know, Dakota, in his comfort zone, the howling in the morning to wake us up, the howling in the evening to close out the day. (sighs) You know, when Paul drives back home, and he's in his truck, Dad's home, (laughs) and the jumps, and the glee, (laughs) you know, and looking towards him. And they watch every move he makes and where he goes. You know, they don't care what is going on with him or what he's dressed in or what it's like. They just know Dad's home, and that's what they want. That's what they need to know. This love story that we have in this world where we're working through and we're working to get to the next level or the next step that we're Learning to love ourselves more and love other people more and work on ourselves. And sometimes that's even more work than you should do. I say it all the time, and I said it earlier, is that there's nothing you need to work on on yourself. Maybe you just need to remember who you are and what you are. If you don't know that you are perfect, whole, and complete, mathematically perfect in every single way, and a magnificent creation with all the energy that you would need and all the love that you have been created from, then you're not going to believe anything I just said. And sometimes, if you're starting like me, you don't believe it anyway, but you know it to be true. And then that's... If you're gonna work on that, that's what you need to reveal to yourself. You know what I mean? That's where the work comes in, is that you know that you are as precious as that mountain over there. How could you not be? The most magnificent thing to me is a big tree. Like, wow! You know, how could the tree be more magnificent than me? Was well, used to be my question when I felt like I was not magnificent at all and left behind in the world. Do you know what I mean? and worthless and not worth it and not mattering. And in those days because I knew the universal truth of who I was even though I couldn't feel it at the time I would go stare at a tree I would get the leaf in my hand I would look the veins in it and I would impress upon my soul as best I could is that this is me too. This is me too, until I didn't have to do that so much anymore. That it started to kind of work through me. That I wasn't left like this cesspool over away from the ocean, that I could actually swim in the ocean too, that I come from it as well. Those were those kind of images that I would live with, trying to do everything possible to talk, or work on myself. Until I realized and remembered who I was. And depending on my behavior and depending on what I am in control of, depending on what happens to me in my life, I have to come back to that place and remember, you know, when I'm heartsick and my faith in life and my faith in this universal truth kind of gets lost and it's starting to wane and I'm like, I don't get it anymore. What I've learned to do is that I know that there is a healing solution here and set my mind in that direction. Otherwise, I get lost in the quicksand and I disappear and disappear until I find my way back again. And it gets easier and easier and easier and easier as time goes on. So anyway, I have another song to sing Is Paul there? Because this song is for him. I know you guys got to can't come and hear my spiritual talk and um, basically, you know, experience my anniversary with me <laughs> in public. In public, but this is um, this is uh, Mercer's uh, "Come Rain or Come Shine." Thank you. Just one of those things nine years didn't do this to me. It's just, you know, mean these little markers that you have that come your way. Oh. William Shakespeare says, what made me love thee? Let that persuade thee. There's something extraordinary in thee. I cannot, but I love thee. None but thee. And thou deservest it. Oh. Oh. oh my goodness. As you guys know, I don't have a love up basket that I, a love offering. Basket, I don't pass a basket, but we have some jars in there. If you have a love offering that you would like to share with us for these programs, that would be wonderful. <laughs> buddy. Hi, Hi Wakan. Hi, nobody. Dakota, you can come up here with me. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Hi, buddy. Hi. This is Wakan for everybody who hasn't met him before. This is the puppy. I know, baby. I know. Good boy. Go play. <laughs> Go say hi. Go say hi. Oh, what a surprise. Hey, buddy. Wakan means sacred, by the way. Look at that big boy. (laughs) Anyway, just so you know, a little bit of what's going on um, in the back is that we do have, this is a podcast, so if you would like to um, follow, like, and share us, that would be really great. You can find us on iTunes and Podbean. You can get there from our link on Facebook. (laughs) He's taking all the attention. Look at you. Look at you, buddy. I love it. Anyway, thank you for coming. Thanks for all the new people that I don't know. Please come and introduce yourself. Um, Thanks for sharing my anniversary and my uh, passion and my birthday and these animals. It's really, truly a blessing. Um, (laughs) There's a quote from Les Miserables I found for those of you who know how I end my service. It says, and remember, as it was written, the love, to love another person is to see the face of God. And so I have a closing song that we do, and it has sign language to it, and it is, you are the face of God. I hold you in my heart. You are a part of me. You are the face of God. Is he jumping on the counter to get the, the goodies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I started, Dakota uh, wants the chocolate too, but um, he can't jump like And I said, thank God, Wakan's well, not in here because he can jump the cabinet. Did he do it? Almost. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> Wakan, well, come with me. Good boy. You want to come? Move up, buddy. Move up. We used to call Shadow Black Wolf. Black Wolf is in the house. (laughs) He is one of her relatives. Yeah, he comes from her line. Good boy. I know. Who's that? So here we go, guys. The face of God. This one, too.